Greetings, friends, and welcome to Let Me Tell You What I Know, a podcast by The Real Nubian on Twitter, where I talk about music, politics, pop culture, and whatever the hell I want, basically giving you my two cents that nobody asked for. Welcome to the special episode titled The Tom Morello Experience. (laughs) So almost a month ago, um, the Tom Morello incident happened, and if you follow me on Twitter, you know exactly what happened. (laughs) And I talked about my feelings regarding the backlash from his stands in the previous episode. I would like to thank his friend, Jem Keedy, for facilitating an interview between little old me and an international rock star. And I would like to um, preface that I would usually scoff off such an idea, but I'm glad the interview happened. As I am still firm in my convictions when it comes to race, privilege, etc., uh, and befriending terrible people, I do understand where someone like Tom Morello came from and how his experience and upbringing caused him to have a different perspective. We did agree to disagree eventually on a lot of points, but I do have respect for his feelings and ideas. And I have to also point out that um, commentators who chimed in with, uh, this is cancel culture, the left eat their own, absolutely absolutely do not know what they're talking about. Uh, Also, no one is trying to dictate how this man lives his life or manages his relationships. But any celebrity is open to critique, as their decisions and relationships do influence their fans' behavior, especially when they are not just actors or musicians, but also social and political activists, because it falsely frames the, um, the conflict as a difference of opinion, like we're talking about pizza toppings, when it is a deep moral conflict that people really need to be honest about. Um, As for Ted Nugent, he remains trash. And while he is trying to conduct an image clean out by having uh, a black friend and deny his racism over the years uh, and his inappropriate relationships with teenage girls, which he actually bragged about on an interview several years ago, only to retract his comments years later, and his wife would come out and say that, oh, it's all an act, people who care will never forget. I also need to thank all my friends, you know who you are, who supported me through and after this experience and continue to show me that they listen and care every day. I love you guys, really, really love you guys. And the new friends I made during this experience are also valued uh, and and loved. The stands, however, can kiss my black ass. (laughs) So here's the interview. I have to put a disclaimer that we had aggressive audio problems <laughs> and because of uh, time time zone differences uh, I was caught off guard slightly in the beginning as I was just coming out of work and Tom had family commitments and we had to like rearrange our time a little bit before we start so here's the unedited interview I hope you enjoy it and I'll see you guys in the next episode take care of yourselves take care of others and the pandemic is not over So wear a mask, social distance, um, stop going to gatherings, I see you, and get vaccinated if you can. I love you guys and see you next time. Hello. Hello. There we are, we're back. Yes, uh, I'm sorry. I I realized that Aaron sent an email like 10 minutes ago and I was on like a million phone calls from work, so sorry for that. No worries at all, no worries at all. So, 
Thank, thank you for the. Uh, uh, I had a nice dinner with the family. So nice to. Uh, no problem. Any, yeah. any, anything for the family. No worries. Yeah, yeah. And, and can you can you hear me well? Because I normally when I've done podcast stuff, I, I haven't done it in this means. Can, can you hear yes, me? yes. Uh, this is why I call it my raggedy ass podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. It's it's it seems to be working better than mine does, and I've got a oh, oh. Apps that I plug in here. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Uh, no, my setup is is very simple. I have. Um, I record on my phone basically, uh, yeah. and and yeah, it seems to be working so far. Cool, so, cool, 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 cool. Yep. So, uh, welcome to the podcast, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you very much. Thank you for having uh, me. Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, I have to publicly thank uh, Jim Keady for brokering this this sure. parlay, yeah. as the yeah. as, as the pirates would say. <laughs> yeah, the the international arbitrator. Yes, we appreciate him over yeah. here as well. <laughs> uh, so, uh, first of all, thank you for having a conversation with me before we started this because it took away the um, awkwardness, I guess. Sure, sure. My, yeah. pleasure. And, My pleasure. And we were we were able to connect uh, talking about COVID, as it mm -hmm. seems to be the sure. the human condition this time of uh, sure. of our lives. And our and our East African roots as well. Yes, yes. Uh, so <laughs> so I, I don't want to take a lot of your uh, valuable time. And uh, let me just get to what we wanted to talk about. Uh, it seems that our interaction, which is quite shocking, to be honest, <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah. Because like as a, a regular person who tweets something about a celebrity, we don't usually expect uh, a response. Generally, yeah. we are... <laughs> they ignore they ignore us <clears throat> but it seems to be a very sensitive subject for everybody involved um how well, I'll, how I'll, do you... I'll just say for my part there seem to be a lot yes. first of all thank you for having me on, on your show and there seem to be in our sentence exchange there seem to be a lot to unpack and maybe you know it's it's as it's your podcast maybe you want to sort of run like what the sort of relay what it was that that, that brings us here today, you know, sort of the uh, sort of the the, the, the the facts leading up to uh, us being on the us being having this conversation today. Yes, from my end of things, um, I was just on Twitter one day at five a.m. in the morning, and a friend of mine shared uh, the transcripts of your uh, interview with Howard Stern, mm -hmm. and you guys talked about a lot of things, but. What caught everybody's eye was um, the tagline, Tom Morello says he's still good friends with Ted Nugent, who is a very polarizing character. Yes. And that's uh, very it, diplomatically put. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have thoughts and feelings about Ted Nugent sure. that I will get to You're not eventually. Alone. You're not alone. Yeah. Yes. So the, the driving thing for my tweet was. Uh, Tom Morello is a celebrity. He's well known for his uh, leftist, communist, uh, pro-worker, uh, uh, anti-establishment or rage against the machine, essentially. How is it possible? And by the way, I didn't forget that when I tweeted. And he's a half black man. Why is he able to reconcile with someone like Ted Nugent? And in my uh, understanding of things, 
it is a privileged position to be able to have put everything that Ted Nugent has said and done aside and find common ground, which is not which is not uh, unfathomable. It is possible to find common ground with people you don't agree with, essentially. But how can we put aside the disagreement and just only be able to focus on the agreement? And from my perspective as a black woman who has had experiences with racism on different levels, whether it's from white people in the US or Arabs over here or wherever we go as black people, we do face this problem. It is not easy for me personally to put aside the differences or the disagreements or the history, the personal history of Ted Nugent, because even if he didn't have his political opinions, I have my issues with him on a social and moral standing. Um, and in my mind, and I still would say I would, even if that's antagonizing maybe, I still stand by my point that it is a privileged position to be able to let go of the disagreement or the harm or whatever and enjoy a friendship with people like Ted Nugent. Yes, I'm, I'm clear on that. Just, just to be clear, though, your tweet yes. said exactly what? That is a, that is a very well thought out uh, and, and uh, understandable point of view and discourse, that is not what your tweet, your original tweet said. Yes. It, it, how my, it, it read, I don't have it in front of me, but like if you just write a recount. No, I, re I remember it. Yes. Uh, I exactly said, Tom Morello's white man privilege is showing. Right, right. <laughs> and, to, yes, which I, and to which I replied with one sentence, I'm not I'm white. not why. Correct. Yes. All right. So, may, uh, so here's, so I have some thoughts to share. First of all, the first thing I want to do is to apologize to you for the backlash of some of my fans uh, who, in light of this exchange, uh, were abusive. And the, you know, the idea of these kind of like white male fans attacking a black woman is not why I got into the business of rock and roll to begin with, with my, with my point of view. And it's something that I don't condone or, or in any way agree with that sort of vitriol that was uh, evidenced by some of those people. Um, there's, there's a, a, a backstory to that. Like there, people who have been on sort of along my journey are familiar with a frustration that I have with occasionally um people mistaking my racial identity. Uh, it's been you know, normally sort of from the, the white side of the spectrum, but that I just want to say, first of all, that I'm sorry for that you didn't, des no one deserves that. And that is not, you know, a reason why I picked up a guitar or, or became an activist so that like white dudes could attack a black woman. I just wanted to get that get that clearing out of the way. I, I appreciate that yeah, very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean. Thank, I, thank you for that. Th thank you for acknowledging that because that was, uh, it's not like it's the first time I face backlash for something I said or yeah. vitriol or whatever from specifically the group white men, quote unquote yes. white yes. men. Yes. Because we've had experience, I've been on Twitter for a long time and I've had experiences with white supremacists and misogynists and whatever. Sure. What was hard for me, particularly this time, Beside, beside the personal issue, which I shared with my friends on Twitter, that I had a cold, I was sick, my daughter was sick, etc. I share a lot of personal info here, so it's fine. And I couldn't physically be, be able to keep up with 
all the people who are coming at me at the sure, same time. Sure. So I had I I would block people who are rude or abusive normally, but I've never had to lock my account before. Sure. And that is not on you personally. I uh, I agree, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. It's on the situation. Um, I mean, it, it's it is a it is a bizarre sort of perhaps uniquely, uh, you know, a Twitter world I- event where white fans you know, are defending my blackness against a black woman who's accused me of whiteness. Like that is a sort of a, a world which is, which is a, yes, a very that's how it came off. Yeah. And uh, it, it was it. The timing was strange. The circumstances yeah. were strange. And while uh, while it was hard, I do. I'm, I'm coming back from it. And yeah. I thank you for acknowledging that it happened because a part of my gripe with the situation was the celebrity culture that overtook the conversation yeah um let me first uh ask you because uh i'm here not to just voice out my thoughts on the situation but let me just ask you how uh what went through your mind uh when when you saw my tweet well i'll tell you this but um i'm I'm 56 years old um and uh, do you want to I'd be happy to share with you how old I was when I first uh, began passing for white? Um, I had been black my whole life until my mid 40s, which is the first time in my entire life that I ever in any circumstance, personal, professional in any way, been mistaken for a white person, um, I have some theory about that. Uh, a theory about that, which I'll share in, in, in one second. But I think that's important in, in like to, to describe at least my views on how I've changed color over time. Okay. While my while my, <laughs> while my pigment okay. while my pigmentation has remained identical from you know when I yeah, I see. yeah. Um, okay. Um, I was uh, my my father is Kenyan and my mother is a, a white lady from the United States of Irish Italian descent. Uh, they met in East Africa. I was born in Harlem in New York City and then uh, grew up 18 years in a small town in Northern Illinois uh, where I literally integrated the town of Libertyville according to the real estate agent that helped my mom and I find an apartment there. They, 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 had, <laughs> okay. they had to go door to door in the, my mom could not get a job. My mom who had a gr- tremendous amount of experience globally, yes. global experience experience as a teacher could not get a job as a public high school teacher um, in Illinois because we were an interracial family with a one-year-old half African child and herself. They said, you can teach here, but you have to live in the ghetto or live somewhere else. Libertyville was a town that was willing to consider us as a, as a family. Uh, The real estate agent had to, however, go door to door in the apartment building uh, where we were trying to rent to ask the other neighbors if they were okay with an inter with a black family moving into the building and how they, yes. how they sold our family to the local residents was that uh, this was no ordinary American Negro. This was a African person that, you know, was less likely, that, less yeah. likely to uh, rob your car or, or something like that. Yes. The, the ex- exotification of people yes. from Africa yes. in comparison to, to African-Americans. Who Correct. I mean, been, that, yes. that worked in my favor maybe until I was old enough to date their daughters, but it didn't, it didn't hold. Now, I will say that the, the, one of the reasons why I particularly chafe um, at the misidentification of, of my race is my experience. And I'll just tell you a little bit about it growing up as the only bl- black person in all white town. Everyone in the entire town of 20,000 people knew that I was black. There was no 
half white. There, no, there was no yes. mulatto. There was no there, the Ku Klux Klan put a, a noose in my family's garage when I was 13 years old. Um, there, yes. were, there were two other men who once swung a noose at me along the street and told and asked the, the nigger to get in the trunk of their car. A man once knocked mm -hmm. on my family's screen door. I was nine or 10 years old. And through the screen door, I heard him ask my grandfather, I'm looking to buy a house in this neighborhood, but I hear there's a little nigger boy who's playing in the yard. Can you tell me about this? I was not white in any way, any shape mm -hmm. or any form my entire life. I heard the N word hundreds of times growing up and at the height of my rock power in Audio Slave, where I had been a famous rock guitarist for 15 years, I was handcuffed at the side of the road in my hometown, walking home from a friend's. Um, this was a, a common heartbeat occurrence, daily experience, which American black males feel every day mm -hmm. and it was and it was my experience there was no differentiation when i was between the 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 unknown tom morello um who was asked to get on the, the uh, trunk of that car and the tom and the famous who would, yes. who would pull into my record company you know in my record company which i was at the time making millions of dollars for and they would assume that i was a delivery guy and get and directed me to the service entrance like there's no differentiation in my personal experience of you know, yes. from, 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 from one to the other. So, so but, but I, I will say that this changed, not when I became, even in the eyes of fans, Rage Against the Machine was known globally as an interracial band. It was one of the sort of the global calling cards of the van, band with a Chicano front man and a, and a black guitar player and a Jewish drummer and this, that, this, that, and the other. I believe it was after my audio slave tenure where my projects were less on the front page news and then also in the internet culture where people are now enjoying music via playlists and they're they're knowing the musicians via twitter rather than sort of being sort of more in-depth fans and the stereotypical view of what a black person how the music might what yes. music they might play is not existent you know to to an unsophisticated ear and so that's why many fans of mine many fans of mine have this horrific cognitive dissonance when they find out that I'm black. This has only happened in my 40s. It was never, not one time before I was maybe 43, 44 years old where that, that has been the case. And so that has been a mantra uh, sort of among my you know, people, who, people who follow me and this constant having to correct uh, uh, people who have misidentified me by race. So that, that yes. is the backdrop to replying Mm -hmm. And I actually did think I did think twice because I didn't I don't know anything uh, I didn't know anything about you but I did see that it was it was unusual that it was a an, a black person who was writing this at the time and I just assumed you just didn't know anything about me. I and see. Now, yes. now, now to parse this further, I, I I would like to get at least some clarification of that. Is did you know that were were, were you using white in a pejorative way? Um, or were you, just, were you uh, assuming that I am a white person and you just didn't know any of, any of my history, which is understandable. You're not alone. You're not alone in that regard. Or were you using it in a pejorative way uh, with regards to the, the, the privilege part? It's, it's actually neither. Or maybe if I, classify, if I clarify my standing at, at, at this time, it might come off as a pejorative thing, which I in advance apologize for. But it... Uh, I have known that you are a biracial yeah. man. And with with the conversation of black versus, not versus, we are all 
in essentially people of color and we all experience racism from the white establishment, but not to equal degrees. What I didn't know was your standing from the point, because there is a lot of conversation happening between black people and biracial people, where biracial people would say, I am black, but, uh, and then black people would say, why aren't you also white? Mm -hmm. Or are you aware of your uh, specific situation as a half white, half black person? Uh, are you aware that your skin tone might be lighter than uh, I'm not saying that black people cannot come in different shades of, of the spectrum of blackness, but uh, what is commonly known to us, whether we are in Africa here or in, or in the United States or in Britain, etc., biracial people have a slightly, not, I'm not saying different, but I'm saying a slightly different and slightly more privileged experience than black people who are of a darker skin tone. And as you have said, I am not a long-term fan uh, of, uh, I am a, aware of the rage of the machine and the message and that you're biracial. And there's another, and uh, <clears throat> let me try to phrase my understanding of the situation in, in the most appropriate way. My statement was uh, a biracial man with a black and white experiences would have a modicum of privilege that allowed him to put aside everything Ted Nugent has done and be able to have a friendship. Yeah, with well, him. That, that, I, would, I would say, okay. first of all, that is that I, there's much to unpack in there. And, um, um, you know, I my many white and black friends, we share stories about racism and, you know, and I don't have another black friend who was asked to get in the trunk of a car with a noose swinging. So, so I don't, for me, that for, for me, I've always considered myself 100% black and I've reserved the right to define myself based on my lived experience. Um, and you know, that's, that is, that's my narrative and people can agree or disagree with that. That's totally fine. The, the what I sort of don't understand. Sorry, sorry, Ms. Morello. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. Tom. I lost you for like about 30 seconds. Oh, geez. I was like, I was, I was giving some. Very, you were in, on a roll. I'm very, sure. Very, I'm sorry very, for that. During speech about my blackness. Um, sorry. If I'm, if I'm back, I was just saying that, that, uh, that, you know, friends across the racial spectrum and I have, you know, sh shared our, shared our, our stories and, you know the, the 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 racism that I've experienced does not feel like it was mitigated in any way by having a white parent. That's just yes. my that's my experience. You know that's I've my I've been dire threat of my life. You know at times and and from the from the more nuanced racism to the more overtly potentially violent racism. You know yes. uh, that is what has defined my experience. And the first time that someone pointed, it might've been, I might've been in my thirties. The first time that anyone even pointed out to me that I was half white. I had never thought my mom who is, is Irish Italian self identifies as black. She says, we're a black family. She wanted mm -hmm. everyone to know that we are not alone. That yes. I am not an, I am not an adopted child and that we are black. So it's, it's just, it's to me, it is a, it is a, while I understand, certainly understand that, um, uh, you know, especially spending some time in, in, in Kenya, that, that, that the, the hue of one's skin, the, the, the gradations of one's skin color objectively out in the world can certainly have ramifications. How that washes up on the shore being friends with Ted Nugent is an entirely different story. First of all, mm -hmm. that I can put aside his, his stuff, that, that is 
completely incorrect. None mm-hmm. of none of it is put aside. None of it is put aside. Mm-hmm. None, of, none of it at all is put aside. Um, I mean, a question that I would ask is, you know, to the listeners or to yourself is, have you ever held abhorrent ideas, said abhorrent things, or done abhorrent deeds? Sam. Def- definitely. Everybody yeah. has, has have, probably... Well. Nobody is well. perfect. Yes. No, no, of course not. Of course not. And, and let, yes. me, let me show you my, my experience with this and, and how it relates to Ted Nugent. Is mm-hmm. the, the, the conservative town that I grew up in was not only racist, it was all uh, also horribly homophobic. And, of course. Uh, and I never saw... But I could not, I was, I objected strenuously to the racism that was heaped upon me, and but I did not see that the homophobia that I fully participated in, in mm-hmm. the worst, in, the, in, in thought, in, in, in word and in deed was a, a very much a part of my DNA makeup and coming from that town. Um, mm-hmm while I was sort of living, just casually living a life as a super homophobic person, there were people in my life who, who found commonality with me, with me, who were my friends, who challenged me on mm-hmm. the parts of my understanding of the world that were homophobic and, and wrong. Um, I, and, you know, my views have changed dramatically over the years with, with regards to that subject. And I'm very grateful to them. Now, Ted, mm-hmm. Ted Nugent is someone who, that I, if you heard on the show, I didn't know, I, uh, someone reached out to me on his 60th birthday. And I was a fan of his when I was a kid. And all I knew him as was the cartoonish, you know, alt-right, like a cartoonish version of sort of right-wing racism person. That, that's all, all I knew. I, but I, I thought, you know, like, like I could certainly send the message. He, call, he called me up and I intentionally, and now you can, I, here's where I would be happy to, listen and learn from you your perspective i'll tell you tell you my thoughts in it i mm-hmm. he is like to the the most the, the views he's, he's expressed in, in public in recent decades are so extreme i intentionally leaned into trying to form a friendship with this guy to try mm-hmm. to, to try to find a commonality now in part i think it's because i'm still so haunted by those experiences as uh, as a young person and sort of the general anxiety of like life living in the United States that by by finding some areas of like okayness with someone who is that rabidly confused might make the world feel a little bit safer in a way while challenging him. Like the one thing that that like that we and I'll share this is I don't think that I don't like the idea of sort of sharing the intimate details of personal conversation, but I will share this one, is that Ted Nugent horribly called uh, Barack Obama, who was president, a subhuman mongrel. That was, mm-hmm. That's what we call subhuman mongrel. So I call Ted up. I'm like, that's just not okay, man. And he's like, he's up and down. He's saying like, I am not a racist person. I just hate this guy for this, that, and the other. And because there was a groundwork of some understanding between us, I explained how I had been considered a mongrel where I grew up, how the, the kids that the kids that, you know, when I was growing up, they touched my hair because it was different than them. I, you know, mm-hmm. they marveled that my palms were different than the back of my hands, that my gums were a different color than theirs, that I was, that they questioned, that they questioned my, if I was their intellectual equal, that I was a subhuman mongrel in their eyes. And so when you say that, it resonates with me 
not only does it resonate with me and is it hurtful, but also it sends a message to the people who listen to you that the that it, it emboldens the self-identifying racist to be their absolute worst selves. Now, now Ted Nuch is not a reform person on a lot of these issues, but he did something mm -hmm. in the aftermath of that that he's never done publicly. He apologized for it. He publicly apologized for it um, for the for the comments about now that's not me saving the world, but it does. It is. It is. I. The way that I that someone reached out to me when I was a super homophobic person, I have attempted to reach out to him to find some commonality. Now, the, I, what I also would say is, as a black person in the United States, I reserve the right to respond to racism in any way I choose, whether I'm pulled over by a cop, whether I'm at a rally and where I want to throw a brick at the Klan or in my personal relationships. I think that that's you know, those waters are difficult and sometimes scary to navigate. And in any particular circumstance, I think that that's up to the person involved. You're absolutely right. It is your right to respond to racism that you have faced, however you choose. <clears throat> My perspective as uh, a common person who is um, a viewer or a bystander watching what hap what's happening. Uh, first, I, I would say that we can feel offense because of said friendship, because in our personal lives, it's extremely difficult. I'm not saying we feel offense and we have the right to attack you or insult you or whatever, but we have, we have the right to question the dynamics of said friendship because in our lives we don't have the uh opportunity sometimes to make such friendships with violent racist people uh maybe if i said that tom morello was had had the privilege to befriend ted nugent because maybe ted nugent doesn't care that you're biracial he views you as a completely black person which of course resonates with your personal experience uh, but maybe because he views you as a colleague, as an equally talented guitarist yes. or whatever. Yes, I will, I, will, I, will, uh, I will concede guitar hero privilege. That much I will concede. <laughs> In the case okay. of the I will absolutely yeah. concede guitar hero privilege. Yes. 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 <laughs> and another problematic po point in here is that it seems that Ted Nugent is desperate to convey that he is not racist. Mm-hmm. So it was a golden opportunity for him to say, see, I have a black friend. I'm not a racist person. So we as black people who are bystanders and we are watching this interaction happen, uh, a lot of white people in T Ted Nugent's shoes use their black friends as a shield from criticism. Because if he says anything racist in the future and he's told, man, you're being racist right now, he would they would come i'm not sure if ted would use it would use you as the black shield but a lot of them which is our experience in the workplace in in on social media etc what do you mean i'm racist i'm not racist my friend is black yeah yeah well i like i i grew up in trump country I mean, I grew uh -huh. up in yeah, Northern Illinois would qualify. I grew up, and yeah, and my and my other the other half of my family is from from the middle of Illinois, and like in in the county where I grew up, they don't Democrats don't even field a candidate. You know, it's so it's so conservative, and so it's like it's like 
like I know those people, you know what I mean? Like, and, yes. and, and I was actually, I was speaking with my daughter today. My daughter's 27 and she is, uh, she is biracial and uh, gay. And she finds herself in situations where she is, she is not a famous person, but where some, in some, in some ways where she is kind of like the, the, example like she finds herself in racist and homophobic rooms where she changes minds just by existing you know and she's not like sort of like a, a a caricature that people have imagined um and she also says that this is not my job to change these people's minds but just by existing i can do that uh, but let me ask you this question what do you think of martin luther king jr's quote hate cannot drive out hate only love can do that um I contest to that quote a lot mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> because because white people use it to use use it to throw it in our face whenever we question the racism. Yeah, but but in the, in the um, context of is like the way I look at it is it's an arrow it's an arrow in the quiver in the battle against racism. It is one, exactly. it is one, I don't, one arrow. I, it, it is one arrow in that quiver. It, it is yeah. My problem with this arrow is it is used when you throw it to be thrown back at you as a black person because we are expected to i understand your perspective completely that being uh, a different person in spaces where for example there are you're the only black person you're the only gay person you're the only immigrant etc you're the only muslim or whatever religion people are mad at at the time mm -hmm. and then you show them that you are just as intelligent and kind and human and etc and you're not the caricature yeah. they had in their minds yes. it does change positions yes. but from the perspective of the person who is the different person it can be very painful and harmful to the psyche of that person that you you've become the token of course of course yeah of course. so that's why that's why my problem with the martin luther king quote is that not because it's a bad quote, it's a good quote. And it's amazing in, a, in an ideal world mm -hmm. that you have a group of people who are hateful just because they're confused or misinformed. And when you throw love at them and you show them how that you're uh, a human, they change their minds and they become le less bigoted, whatever the bigotry we're talking yes. about is. But it is so misused by white people now because if you contest to racism in any form, you are called the hateful, angry black person. Mm -hmm. Why aren't you listening to Martin Luther King? But this is not the only quote from Martin of Luther course. King of that we have to pay attention of to. Of course, and of it, course. And, it, and it's, not, it's not on us black people. If they're going to quote Martin Luther King to us, they should know all of his quotes, not pick a cherry pick. Of course. The yeah. one that makes them and, feel And good. I think that you should also have France Fanon's quotes and Malcolm X's quotes in your quiver. Exactly. In, in your, in exactly. your, in your, in your daily navigating these 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 waters, um, and you know, and I and I will say this that and, and it's very, it's surprising to you know it was in the Howard Stern's always sort of a laughing matter, but is but but in for someone like Ted who has expressed these kind of crazies like like I have seen and like he has been now sort of in the room in a way where I have seen a humanity in him that was unexpected. That was unexpected, and it doesn't mean that racism. I mean, the one thing that Mary Morello, my white mom, from day one, from the daycare, from my first fight in daycare when I was four or five years old, is that you stand up against racism, racism wherever it rears its ugly head, every single time, 
every single time. And whether it's whether it's Ted or whether it's this anybody else that I have, I, for me, that is a, a North Star by which I steer. But going back to the original tweet, none of this is in, in your original tweet. You call me white, mm -hmm. not me. No, I said, <laughs> let me explain something. Let me explain something. Yeah. And this could have been, uh, this could be, uh, I, I, how can I say that I stand by my tweet while acknowledging that I could have worded my, my sentiments better? Uh, when we, and it's a common Twitter lingo, as would say, I, as people would say, if I say that your ex is showing, I intentionally mean that this is something that has been hidden and an opportunity came out that it made it show. And my, my thought process at the time was only someone who is biracial and is aware of their slight white passing or light skin privilege would choose to become friends with Ted Nugent. And this way you've been, you, uh, because Ted Nugent, in my mind, and maybe I am wrong, would not have chosen to become friends with you if you were a dark-skinned black person. Yeah, so that, that, that we don't that we don't know. And I do like I do I yes. do I do acknowledge the guitar hero privilege, and that's you know he's familiar with yes. my work. No, will take my call because yes. of because of that. But uh, I yes. don't. I that is that is purely speculative. But as as the yes. and and while and while the the original tweet was not fleshed out. It, mm -hmm. it read to me and it read to, you know, your fans, my, yes, my, that my I'm fans. Saying it was not, it was, it was the, clearly as an uninformed statement about my race. No, separate, no, separate it's, from the privilege. Separate from the privilege. Yes. No, no, it's, it's a, for me, it was a part of the privilege that Ted Nugent sees this light skinned person who can occasionally pass as a white or racially ambiguous person. Uh, so they're comfortable with being friends with them. And Tom Morello, the celebrity, uh, feels that it's uh, safe as a biracial man who can be white passing. And of course, this completely goes against your experience. And I understand why you would take offense to my tweet in regard to your experience. Yes. But that was my frame of mind yeah, at the time. I understand that. And and it is, it is a, a common experience for us as black people to see biracial people throw us under the bus. <laughs> and a lot of them actually would say, no, I'm not black. I'm X, Y, and Z. I relate more to my white side of the family, uh, light-skinned people, X, X, Y, and Z. And what's funny is that a couple of days after our interaction, the interview between uh, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry happened sure, with Oprah. Sure where it sparked the discussion again of how biracial people throw black people under the bus. <laughs> and it could be my personal hangups that have been imposed mm -hmm. on you, but it still, it's, it still was, um, in my mind, one of the reasons why you would choose to be friends with Ted Nugent and why Ted Nugent would be comfortable being friends with you. Interesting. I mean, well, that is reading an awful lot into the Howard Stern interview. I just have to say, <laughs> no, it's it's uh, no, it's 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 reading into the friendship per se. Because another problem for me, uh, and let me just explain my point of view, uh, which of course, Twitter is not uh, a uh, it's not a place where people can have 
complete and informative conversations unless they choose to and then they have an exchange of like 300 tweets yes, in between yes, them. Nobody... So my, my one line is not really enough to explain my complete feelings about it and your response mm -hmm. is not enough to, to explain your perspective. Right. I completely respect your experience because, but that is because you lived in a very peculiar situation and I'm not imposing my views on you. I'm just trying to show you my view of your experience. Uh, and, and it's by no means a trial to downplay the racism that you have experienced. Because as I said in the beginning, we are all people of color. Yes. We all are under the umbrella of POC and we all experience racism in different spectrums. You have, um, let's say, um, were subjected to the same experience that a dark-skinned black person would be experience would experience or be subjected to, uh, but not uh, but it's uncommon or not or uncommon for a biracial person who, for example, lives in a place like New York City or Los Angeles, mm -hmm. where mixed people are very prevalent, and the idea of a mixed person. Is different than the idea of a black person. Well, I think that, that I think I mean I I can't speak for every but I think that that's a, a case no. by case basis. Yes, right? that's Certainly true. Case case that's basis. true. And I, but and it, I also I also I mean I also sort of chafe at, at the idea that that black people should be telling black people you're not being black the right way in particular circumstances. No, no, it's not it's not being black the right way, but it's the erasure that happens when we disregard that mixed people have a slightly different experience than black people. Yeah. That's, that's the perspective of a black person. And it has been happening a lot and a lot of conversations that have been happening about this in the past, at least in the past 10 years, where someone who is, um, let's say, uh, bi biracial, half black, half white, or half black, half Asian, or whatever, would say, I am a black person. It erases their other side, and in the same time, disregards any possible or potential privilege that they might have in their life. And I'm not saying that everybody will have these privileges, because you didn't, mm -hmm. at, at least until later in life, where people start assuming that you mm -hmm. were white, okay? <clears throat> but it is a point to be acknowledged and not disregarded, and this is what happened when I posted my tweet. I imposed I imposed my understanding of the biracial privilege on you and your fans disregarded that point completely. <coughs> yeah. Sorry. And that's, that's the reason why the aftermath or the back. Right, right, right. I, well, I think that in, in part it has to do with who gets to define your narrative. In... Black people. <laughs> no, no, they don't. I get to define my narrative. <laughs> Yes, you get to define your narrative. I decide. Yeah. I, I, I expected, I expected this pushback. I decide my, uh, no, no, I expected this pushback. I understand completely. Yeah. And I'm not saying that my intention was to strip away your blackness because you are a half black yes. man. But neither neither my blackness you... nor my half blackness was referenced in the original message. And that I believe that it may be a semantic, it may be a semantic matter, but it is crucial to why we are speaking right now and why there was a hullabaloo to yes. begin with. And, you know, yes. and if, if, if you had, you know, perhaps chosen a different word there, it would have led to a different conversation. And, yes, you know, but it is the conversation that I had 
in my mind and I I echoed the conversations that a lot of black people have been yeah. having uh, as a lot of your fans have pointed if she has she has added rich uh, it would have been a different conversation yeah. and well I don't I, I, think rich, a, I think that's a different conversation. and I, I don't know that I necessarily agree yes. with that one that to me I don't agree with either I think that there's a there's a with regards to one particular person, Ted Nugent, yes. there is with regards to Ted Nugent, yes. Do, nothing uh, to do with rich. Honestly, it has nothing and in my view it has nothing yes. to do that's why that's why I didn't white. say it. I think uh, it has to, yeah, because you yeah, could, the, you, because Ted, Ted Nugent is not friends with other rich people. I don't I don't I don't know that or not. I won't I don't know. But yeah. but that's no no but nobody here's the thing. The conversation is not per se about Ted Nugent. Is the conversation is about the black or biracial man who chose to be friends with that's, him. Because, that's yeah, that's right. yes. And that's the reason why my tweet said Tom Morello, not Ted Nugent. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for me, as a black person who have been watching what's happening with Ted Nugent over the years, uh, <clears throat> starting, I didn't even know he existed before his comment on yes, Obama. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, <laughs> okay. that was starting. So yeah. beca because, because, of course, the entire world was watching... Uh, the inauguration of Obama as the first person of color to become the president of the United States. It was a big step. And then you start watching the media and how people are commenting on him and commenting on Michelle Obama even was more hurtful for me as a black woman than the comments on Obama, horrible that they are. But this is why a person who lives in this side of the world would start paying attention to what white uh, conservative figures in the American media were saying about mm. these people. So um, <clears throat> so I didn't know about Ted Nugent until that time. And the friendship with Ted Nugent, uh, when it came about in the Howard Stern uh, interview, opened a lot of, I wouldn't say wounds, that would be overly dramatic, but it, would, it, it was concerning because I know who Tom Morello is. I know who Ted Nugent is, and it doesn't click in my mind at all that they would yes. be friends. And it, it goes, yeah. yeah. So in okay. my mind, uh, in, my, in my mind, I wasn't aware of how you feel about your, your blackness. And that takes away my tweet, which is his white man privilege is showing because his white man privilege uh, is hidden. And it's a very uh, <clears throat> occult thing in your life. You identify as a black man. You don't feel that you have a white man privilege. But um, why would Ted Nugent be open to be friends with you if it wasn't for the half-white thing? Well, because I'm a famous... I hope I am making sense. You are making sense, sense and you have, you, have, you have helped make that point of view come into greater HD for me. You know what I'm saying? Like I, under, I understand that better than I did better than I did originally. I don't, uh, in the case of Ted Nugent, I do not agree with that. And I think that, that the, you know, Ted Nugent's people reached out to me and a, a number of other mm -hmm. musicians because I was a famous guitar player, not because I was a, what, not because yes. I was a half white guitar player. And that began, and then yeah. the reason why Ted was willing to be friends with me, he knows me mostly as the, you know, neo-Marxist guitar player who's banned, mm -hmm. who's banned on stage at Co Coachella, you know, talked about George W. Bush's war crimes and that he should be hanged. That's sort of when I think I came into, mm -hmm. I came into his, his point of view. And, um, you know, and then was su surprised by the humanity that I that I showed towards him. And I so I, I totally understand. Like, I at, at the end of the day, I, I think that it's important 
to be able to reserve the right in any circumstance, you know, and, and you and I are talking now, and I happen to be someone who's in a, in a famous rock and roll band, but regardless of one's profession, and I do a lot of work both in prisons and in you and in mm -hmm. unions where these same issues come up in forging, for, like when I go with Jail Guitar Doors, which is a great organization that does, provides uh, sort of musical uh, rehabilitation tools for, for inmates. And when you go into those rooms, and you befriend people. And now they're not my friend because I'm half white, but they're like, like they're white supremacists. They are murderers. They're this. And, and I'm okay with being friends with them. And there are African-American musicians who are with me and there are white musicians with me. And it's a matter of regardless of someone's point of view that, that I get to choose in that instance, whether I'm white, black or whatever, to extend sort of love and empathy or to or to recoil and throw a brick like i just res i reserve yes. that right <laughs> and my here's here's out of it let's leave ted nugent out of it completely yes. and whether it is yes. inmates mm -hmm. at sing sing or whether it's a, mm -hmm. uh, a a teamster who I have strong disagreements with, but we have some commonality with regards to the union, that, that those in each one of those circumstances, I don't know that it is up to people outside of me to make those determinations it's, or judgments. Here's the thing, uh, which a lot of people misunderstand when it comes to Twitter or a common person commenting on the behavior of a celebrity. Uh, we are just expressing our opinions. We are not making a determination because even if I say that I'm not happy with your friendship with Ted Nugent and I have critiques about it and I have mm. thoughts about it, it doesn't mean that you have to of listen course. to me. And a lot of people, a lot of people keep, seem to forget of that course. point because they were commenting, who are you to tell Tom who to be friends or yeah. not friends with? And I'm saying I'm not telling mm. him anything. Yeah. I'm saying that I am side-eyeing mm -hmm. that friendship because of x mm -hmm. y and z it and that and it's it became like oh um another comment that i have noticed that i have strong uh disagreement with is they're trying to cancel tom morello and <laughs> the left eat their own because they're hating on tom morello now because he's friends with ted nugent and this comment about like cancel culture or telling tom morello who to be friends with are absolutely not true because in in reality if they look at the situation you jim keady would not have suggested this conversation you could have never agreed to it and you could have gone about your day doing whatever you wanted even if even if we have even where when we are having this conversation you might come out of it not agreeing with my perspective and you will continue to do what you want to do so this is not, uh, <clears throat> where I'm not making uh, an, a, um, a judgment or, or a, a final decision or taking away your decision. I'm just critiquing yeah, your decision. Yeah. Be and I could be wrong. Anyone mm -hmm. else could be wrong. I don't, I don't feel that I am 100% wrong, but I would say that I, am, I was partially wrong in my... Um, exclusivity of the point that I have mm -hmm. argued. I could have made other points of why I am uh, unhappy with said mm -hmm. friendship. 
but that was like one tweet that I tweeted after I woke up at 5 a.m. And I'm not making no, no, excuses, no, no, like, but this is how the nature of the conversation. So then here, is. so we have, we've talked for 45 minutes or so. Given the substance yes. of this conversation, would you mm-hmm. augment your opinion in any way with regard? I don't feel anymore that it was your white man privilege. <laughs> But it's your guitar hero privilege. <laughs> I mean, yes, that, absolutely. That is, and at, that's 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 important. That's important. Yes. The the other point is, I wanted you to understand why I said what I said. Uh, it it could have applied if if another mixed person who grew up in an environment where they understand uh, their mixed person or half white privilege, then I would not have changed my mind at all. But because of your personal experience per se, then it plays completely different. And as you said, mixed people have a case-by-case basis experiences. But in general, in general, they have to acknowledge that they, their experience is not identical to black people. And Especially the darker and the darker the black person gets on the spectrum, the more aggressive the racism and the discrimination they face. And, and to speak to the original point of the backlash was if mm-hmm. if you had replaced the word white with mixed, like first of all, they, like no, I would say that no one, including myself, understood that the, the nuance of that point. No, no, I mean that it was it basically you know now I, now I do in having this conversation, and but you know you were it sounded like it sounded it, it, it was a. Again, it's a common refrain over the course of the last 10 years or so of people just simply misidentifying. There's, there's two issues here. There's one is the issue of white privilege and as it relates to mixed race person, that's one. And then there is mm-hmm. the misidentification of a black man as a white man. When you look at just the words on the page there, many, many Here's- eyes and minds w- went to, to the second one where it's just, you just, you just don't yes. know that he's a black guy. You just don't know that. That's what. That's how it was read by. Myself. Yeah, here's here's the the issue though. A lot of you, and this is not an accusation, but like a um, phrasing the reality of the situation. You and your fans completely read it this way, while my my friends, who this is how we called my followers on Twitter, who've been listening to my conversations about. Uh, white passing and mixed race uh, identities and uh, their experiences in compared to to dark skinned black people experiences picked it up immediately because they knew you were mixed. The only the only contention was knowing your personal experience uh, as a, a black man in, in that area of that you grew up in and how it influences your perspective. As yeah. a mixed person, that's like I gotta say that's that's fascinating. That is a fascinating part of the conversation right there. That uh, that that there's that sort of divide in understanding over that one sentence. Yes, because here's the thing: there, if you, if, if this is not just my perspective. I'm not the only black person no, no. who thinks mixed race people no, 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 are no, no, different. No. It is it is it is a conversation that that of has course, been happening of course. for of course. for a while. But it depends on who who is opening their ears to these conversation and i'm not faulting you for for being not aware of it or being fascinated by it it's just yeah, the yeah, way yeah, of the yeah. world black people have been having these conversations yeah. for a couple of years now, now yeah and, no i'm uh, not 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 it's not that i'm fascinated by 
black people having these conversations and I've been aware of those conversations. No. I've been a part of those conversations. I'm fascinated by mm -hmm. the, the phrasing of white male privilege in that context mm -hmm. is assumed by people to mean to, to apply to someone who has always in his life identified solely as a black person. That to me is that's the part that is yeah, because because a lot of mixed people identify as one side of their yeah. identity and leave the other white yeah. completely yeah. out. Whether and and it's it's different. I'm not saying that all half white have black because mixed, of course, can apply to yep. different yep. races. But in in particular, when we speak about half white half black people, a big majority of them would identify with absolutely one side of the of the of their family and completely disregard the other side, whether, and it can vary, the, the reasoning can vary, whether it's because the black side or whatever side, one side makes more sense because of the type of family mm -hmm. they grew up in, because, or because the other side is more privileged and beneficial to identify yeah. as. Well, I chose the opposite in both occasions. <laughs> Exactly. That's why I'm saying that my tweet was contented because of your personal experience, not because of the general experience of mixed people. Because here's another anecdote that might explain to you why I, why we have different conversations about this. I have mixed mm -hmm. cousins because one of my uncles back in the day, who was a communist, <laughs> communist in the 70s, went to university in Moscow and married mm -hmm. a Russian woman. And he's a dark-skinned mm -hmm. black man. He had two sons who, by a genetic miracle somehow, and I'm not saying miracle as in like a, a good thing or a bad thing, his two sons are absolutely white people that you could never mm -hmm. imagine that they have mm -hmm. a black father. They absolutely mm -hmm. look like their mother. And they chose to completely identify mm -hmm. as white people. Because when they go back in Russia, they don't even mention their father there uh because it is a more comfortable experience right. to identify as right. a white person despite them being right. of mixed race so and when you when yeah. we grow up and live for years and years observing this a black person does not have this luxury at all to say that i'm a different race absolutely not it can never be done for a black person who is unambiguously mm -hmm. black while someone who might be, the term is racially ambiguous, <laughs> might have the luxury right. to do that. Which we've established has not been the case for me for the first 46 yes. years. Right, right. right. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. why I'm saying, that's why I'm saying my tweet was on a general mixed race yeah. experience. And it didn't apply to you because of your yeah, particular yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in speaking with a couple of other mixed race friends uh, since the since the Twitter storm, the one thing that, at least in this very small non-scientific sampling, is uh, the one thing that we all share is being infuriated when we are called when we are mistaken for being white. That is like a that is a uh, is, you know it's it's a common perspective from the you know the Sean Kings to the like friends of my, you know like friends down 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 the block and it's very interesting you know like and again like for me it's a it's a newer experience for some it's been since since they were kids but but in some ways you get the worst of both worlds um, and it's uh it it's something that I've now had to deal with only in the context of the uh, uh, fans or until now only in the context of the the mis 
race identifying fans who are and sort of dealing with their like the the offense of their outrage that they've that they've been betrayed. <laughs> I don't understand why they feel that way, honestly. So much if you have a black father. Pockets, but they're out, they're outraged, and they're and a and a common a, you know when I will co- correct them, uh, something uh, uh, a not uncommon retort is, "You're not black." Like you, like you can't be, but it's, it's said with like a, you can't possibly be because I've invested in you. <laughs> as, yeah, because here's, but that's, that's their cross. To it is. I, I agree. It's not, it's not your, your mistake to be, especially that you've been open about your uh, racial background since the yeah. beginning. So I hope I conveyed my perspective as why I tweeted what yes. I tweeted. And I understand your perspective of why you were offended by why I tweeted um, what I tweeted. My last point when it comes to contention with Ted Nugent personally is his personal history. And that's why it's this is where and this might get (laughs) I apologize if this offends you. But uh, his personal history, not as a racist person, but his um, history with. Um, and if you have any problems with discusses with, with discussing this, I can cut it out of the. No, I, I know know where you're going. But, it's it's yeah, yeah 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 yeah. But his personal history, and I'm not going to mention it because it's very painful and hurtful sure, for a lot of sure. people. Uh, is something that um, I personally would feel is a deal breaker for me, and I would never ever. Be friend- and this is by no means judgment or your morals or character, but I would like to understand how can you compart- compartmentalize this? Yeah, well, I would say that, the first of all, that anyone who is uh, guilty of having sex with underage people should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law, full stop, the end, mm-hmm. the end. Um, but as I, as I said before, in my, in my work in prisons and stuff, like I've met people who've done everything. And been mm-hmm. able to uh, befriend them and see a uh, find a humanity in people who have done the most inhumane things. Um, and I look into like sort of you know my specifically my own homophobic history as something so mm-hmm. such a shameful part of my past and where I could have you know dwelled forever were it not for the people people who recognized the evil that it was and reached out with some level of, uh, uh, of humanity and compassion. Mm-hmm. I see. <laughs> uh, for, from my perspective, uh, there is, of course, a nuance to this conversation, just like a nuance to every conversation. If I would be compassionate to your position as a formerly homophobic person, you grew up with these ideas. And that's why it's different when we talk about uh, people who grew up in certain cultures or environment where this was a part of how they grew up. And our target would be not to vilify them personally, but target the culture they grew up in. Uh, This does not apply to Ted Nugent, (laughs) unless he came up from a culture where this was normal. Because there are cultures in the world where this, yeah, this was normal. Yeah. But he is aware 
that what he has been doing is not normal or not. I'm not saying normal because the word norm people assume that the word normal means right or or natural or whatever. And there are bad things in the world that have been normalized for centuries. So in Ted Nugent's case, um, I feel that it is unfair to you to compare yourself to him and then find empathy that way. Mm. Because this is the, the, the environment you grew up in. And a lot of people grow up in, in, in areas where homophobia mm. is normal or racism is normal. And then they go out of these environments and they meet people from a different perspective who change their mind, whether it's by um, arguing with them or tweeting yeah. at them or just being friends with them and explaining that there's a different experience in the world. And someone like him who actively chooses to do something that he knows is wrong. And he actually wrote a song about it. Well, I, would, I mean, this, my experience with Ted Nugent is predated by decades in the prison system. And, you know, and the, I, that's, that's the lens that I look at, like, that I, that I see it through, um, which which actually began yes. with uh, with my mom. My mom was a public high school teacher for for many years, and one of her students at seventeen years old committed a murder, and he murdered he murdered a girl, uh-huh. uh, and he was uh, you know abandoned by family, like you know like crucified in, in the town, and spent thirty some years uh, behind bars. And during that time, he had only one friend and one ally, and that was my mom. Uh, he was a guy that I sort of knew, you know, kind of growing, we'd occasionally go, go visit him and whatnot. And I was aware of what he had done. And I was aware of his humanity mm-hmm. at the same time. And I was aware of this kind of selfless love that my mom provided for someone who had done a horrendous thing. That was the backdrop in some in my work mm-hmm. in prisons. And it's a perspective that's, that's with, you know, while, Again, I'll begin. I'll end like I began. I was saying that there isn't, you know, anyone who c- commits such a crime that we're talking about should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. The end. The end. But in mm-hmm. in dozens yes. of occasions of people behind bars, and and as Ted is alleged, that I've been able to still find like some some humanity in that person and commonality, while giving all uh, the the uh, condemnation of whatever acts that they've been involved in to begin with. Mm-hmm. So it's it's basically the ability to compartmentalize the two things, which is not accessible for everybody. And that's why people would disagree with set friendship, even if they had no issues with, because a lot of people were telling me, uh, it's okay to be friends with someone you have you have disagreements with. And that's absolutely fine on the political spectrum or like the um, social issues, etc. But for a lot of people, also, it's impossible to find common gra- find common ground or commonality with people who commit something that Ted Nugent is has been accused of or has been surrounding him for a, a, a significant number of years. Another issue it would be extending the olive branch toward people who have committed crimes and a lot of people myself included would put uh, a condition for this olive branch which is a show of remorse or rehabilitation 
and he has shown neither. <laughs> so for for me personally, and for a lot of people who have been impacted by by people yeah. like Ted Nugent, it is impossible to see a leeway yeah. for this. And we might part at the end of this conversation never agreeing on that, but um, I hope you I, see my perspective. I, 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 from I that absolutely, point of I view. absolutely do. I absolutely do. And I would say that no one in my town understood my mom's befriending, befriending her student. No one understood it. No one understood it. Mm -hmm. You know, and and you know, and the and the work that Wayne does in prisons, like to me, that feels like like uh, an important task, uh, and one that is worthwhile. And I don't know. It's uh, the thing is like if you know. Is there is there humanity in people who have done the worst things? Yeah. Of course there is. No, I I don't agree with the point that uh, someone who has done something horrible would be counted uh, a monster. Some people would call them animals. I yeah. don't agree to that. These are everything humans do is a part of human nature, and everyone who does anything still have humanity in them. But when where do we draw the line yeah. is the issue for some people for some people the line is pretty clear and it's a very thick red line and for some people the line can be moved up or down i mean yeah. forward or backwards it is of course a personal decision and a personal and it depends on the personal experience uh so i understand your perspective despite mm. not agreeing with it and i hope you Absolutely. do understand mine Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and again, I think, you know, with, in the, the analogy with regards to race is in each circumstance, based on who you are and how, like you, you're the decider. You know, and if, if you decide to go into prison and the, befriend people who have done things, then or to or people who are alleged to have done them, you're the decider. For me, it's important. You always have to confront. Like, that's a key thing is if it's something that's important on the other side of that red line while not dismissing because I like like I've been in, in experiences with with Klan and neo-nazis by neo-nazis at shows of mine and I and, and it and, and in the there's a very much lighter I'm sorry it's kind of loud over there is that okay we're back I don't know I don't know what's, I don't happening. Know what's happening okay whether it's throwing a brick at a Klansman or whether it's extending that olive branch, I think each of us should reserve the right in that circumstance. Well, and I totally under, I understand your perspective about about all of it, and that and that there may there are people that you could not, and that understandably never extend an olive branch to, and I think that that's okay. That's that's exactly what I wanted from this conversation. Is that. Um, people on your side of the conversation understand that it's okay to say that I don't want to extend an olive branch to such people, and and this is this is the reason of the backlash essentially, is that people didn't think I had the right to say that an olive branch sometimes should not be extended, or I have a problem with extending an olive branch to Ted Nugent or mm -hmm. whoever. whoever while while um, completely understanding that me voicing my opinion does not put the burden on you to follow right. what I'm saying. 
you you could choose to listen to my opinion and agree with me or change your mind or not change your mind. Uh, you have the freedom to do whatever you want. Discussing opinions on social media or like tweeting or whatever is not canceling anybody or forcing anyone to do what we wanted. And it's strange for me when fans assume that any criticism of the person they they like they like is trying to tell said mm. person what to do. It's um, it's a clarification that should be made, and also nobody can cancel anybody essentially <laughs> so it's not cancel culture it's not telling tom morello what to do it's voicing opinions about the choices that he has made while completely understanding that he yeah. has the right to do and, and i think it, it helps to have a broader understanding because then in in some of my fans responses to your tweet they're voicing their under given their understanding of your message which was a, apparently widely misunderstood you'd agree would agree. You know, are mm-hmm. are ex- expressing their opinions based on that. Given our conversation today, you have a fuller understanding of where I'm coming from, and that may have amended your has amended some of your opinions with regards to these issues. I do understand where you are coming from. Absolutely, I understand why your personal experience caused your contention with my tweet, because my tweet was a generalized. Uh, generalized opinion on mixed race people, especially coming from the background that your fans in a lot of times mistake you for a white person. And I assumed that you understood where I would be coming from because of said experiences with your fans. While it wasn't the case for you because of your background. So this puts things hopefully in perspective for both you and I. Well, I'm glad that we have, uh, first of all, I'm very, uh, thanks again to Jim Keaty for uh, for uh, yes, brokering this absolutely. Uh, uh, prisoner exchange program. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, and he's a, he's a good dude, and I'm glad that he uh, I'm glad that he reached out. But um, mm-hmm. any 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 other anything yeah. else to cover? Is it's almost no? Uh, I th- I think I made my my yeah. issues clear, and while uh, a lot of people might have expected that. One of us would say, uh, yes, you're absolutely right to the other person uh, in, in the context of saying that mm-hmm. one of us is wrong. Um, I hope that we both made it clear that you understand where I'm coming from. And I understand why you had a problem where I was, where I was coming from. And we both understand that even if we disagree, uh, it's, it's fine to agree to disagree on, on this yeah, yeah, and and, uh, and and yeah. to have a, a better and clearer understanding, which cannot be gleaned from you mm-hmm. know one sentence on Twitter from me it, and one exactly. sentence on Twitter exactly. from, from you. Yes, and I I eventually also thank you for understanding uh, the problem with your fans, <laughs> basically yes. coming for yes. my neck. Um, yeah, that that was that was uh, something I appreciate that you. Uh, acknowledged because a lot of people would not acknowledge that their fans have been aggressive or harmful, etc. Yeah, so well, of course, I appreciate and, you know, that and then well. and then learning, you know, what I have on this call that uh, you are Sudanese as well. That at East Africans, my my mm-hmm. fans uh, should not by any means going after anyone, but a Sudanese, uh, an East African sister by all means is at the top of the list. They must not. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, here's the thing. They they actually knew that I was black, but still called yeah. me racist. <laughs> which, yeah, which which shows that, unfortunately, sometimes the work of a celebrity uh, cannot be completely un, uh, no, absorbed by their fans. No, there's a wide spectrum, which, and, that's, which, and, that, yeah. and that, not entirely dissimilarly from the prison work, is missionary work. It is. It is. Uh-huh, it is. yes. <laughs> no, because I understood is... Um, I'm not. I'm not saying that uh, someone should downplay your activism, but I wanted to convey a message to you from the common man, which is me, the common woman, is that sometimes the activism does not completely get absorbed by the fans. There, one of the problems I had with the with the aftermath is that I spoke. Uh, not against, but I tweeted something not very favorable of Tom Morello, and Tom Morello is the good guy. Why are his fans acting <laughs> like crazy people from yeah. like the Republican side or the yeah. white supremacist side or whatever? It was sure. confusing to me sure. as a regular person. So you acknowledging that they should not have done that, I appreciate greatly, and I hope they listen and absorb this bit that. So the common man can be heard, even if it's not favorable yeah, yeah. for the person you like a lot. <laughs> well, that's uh, the, there's a the the common. I mean, the, just on the the last point with regards to the 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 wide spectrum of fans. You are absolutely right that the message is not always absorbed, and I think that has a function. That that's a function of, in some ways, the power of the art, in that it casts the nets very very wide, and you know. If you're if you're if you're hosting yes. a Noam Chomsky lecture, you have a pretty good idea of the composition of the room. If you're playing, uh, you know, a, a festival mm -hmm. show at Glastonbury, it's a much broader, it's a much broader spectrum. However, my experience is that by casting those nets wide, you expose people of a wide variety of political uh, opinions to ideas that they've never been mm -hmm. confronted with before. And my daily experience is that matters, and that mm -hmm. I see. You know, back in the days when we I used to yeah. go to the grocery store regularly, uh, uh, you know, whether they're you know, public attorneys or brick throwing anarchists or or whatever, that that there is a draft that comes from that, uh, even though, you know, in a, on a, again, on a case by case basis, people may take it in different ways. Yeah, <laughs> understood. Um, well, thank you very much yeah. for having me on your podcast and, so, and for an illuminating conversation. We were able to kind of make it through the the, the many different channels that were our two sentence uh, uh, meeting opened up. Oh, thank you for for coming over and uh, explaining your perspective, and thank you for understanding <laughs> my perspective. My pleasure. I highly appreciate um, it. We'll st stay yeah. stay well. Thank and, you. Uh, and thank you, and thank you, Aaron, for. Yes. Um, managing the situation. Aaron, thank you too. Sorry to and, keep that, yeah. Aaron.